It is the 10th of January, 2024. You are welcome to the Coffee Roundtable. I'm glad uh, that uh, two of uh, our speakers are here. And we also have uh, some listeners. Uh, so we shall be starting. I'll be introducing the space and uh, we shall have more people. And I believe that uh, the third speaker will be joining us uh, very soon. And uh, we shall have her microphones. <laughs> but I welcome you once again. I am Kuchereza Nova Gideon, uh, your host tonight and uh, the host of uh, the Coffee Roundtable. Uh, the Coffee Roundtable is a weekly conversation that we have. It's a 360 around coffee. Uh, where we discuss uh, everything in and around about coffee. Um, we really thought that uh, we needed to have a conversation. And it's actually not only uh, about coffee, but we really need have to we need to have conversation about um, um, uh, you know even other sectors. And, and so many things, so many aspects of life. The more we talk about things, the more we draw, um, you know, uh, the more we draw uh, solutions to problems, uh, the more we address issues and, you know, discuss them and find solutions to challenges and, uh, and, and you know, uh, draw strategies on how we can better society. So, um, the objectives of the Coffee Roundtable uh, are to address and discuss ways in which um, the local market for coffee can be uh, boosted or grown or expanded by creating general awareness on the coffee industry, identifying the challenges faced by Uganda's coffee industry and crafting solutions through engaging and involving all stakeholders and advocate for government and regulatory support for farmers, processors, marketeers, uh, value addition, uh, markets both local and external. Uh, this is also to this is to also entice young people who actually dominate the Uganda's population to actively and passionately engage on the coffee production chain. So we are trying to really uh, popularize coffee and uh, have a better environment for coffee as a country. Uh, coffee is a leading cash crop and uh, it really generates a lot of revenues for our country. And this is why we find it uh, important to actually discuss and uh, you know, see how we can better uh, the coffee sector. Um, today, uh, we are starting. Our topic today is the agroecological requirements uh, for growing coffee, such as uh, soil, the land requirements, the altitude, the temperature, the rainfall, humidity uh, that favor the growth of coffee. Uh, we said we are going to start from zero, from the garden where coffee starts from. And we shall discuss everything every week, every Thursday at 8 p.m. We shall have a conversation every Wednesday, sorry. 
every Wednesday at 8, 8 p.m. we shall have a conversation on coffee. We shall have different topics uh, ranging from the garden, uh, the planting, clearing land, to harvesting, to the markets, value addition, government policies, uh, the markets, both local and inter in, in international, uh, uh, the, 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 the parasites that are, are used, everything you can mention we shall uh, talk about and we shall make sure that it is out there to the public to know and uh, as we create more awareness about coffee. I'm glad I can see uh, my two speakers are here. I'm actually waiting for the third to join. I don't know what is uh, going on with her, but I hope that she'll be joining in soon. Um, I can see uh, my speakers are here and uh, part of the listeners are also here people will be joining in soon wow uh my other speaker is here yes other speaker is here and um, i will first have her on the microphone so we can start um miss uh, sandra kindly either request for the microphone or accept the microphone because i had sent you an invite okay Sandra, kindly request for the microphone or you can accept to be a speaker because I had sent you invite to be a speaker. The invite, the request I'm seeing here is from my brother Esau and I'm sure it is a mistake. <laughs> uh, Sandra, I'm actually, okay, good. All right. Okay, so I will uh, introduce uh, today's topic once again, since I have all my speakers set and ready. We are talking about the agroecological requirements of growing coffee, such as soil, land, um, land requirements, altitude, temperature, rainfall, and humidity. We are also talking about systems such as monocropping and intercropping. Then we are talking about varieties of robusta and arabica coffee. Uh, for the benefit of the listeners, I will define some of the terms we shall be using. Now, start with ecology. Ecology is a study of relationships between plants, animals, people, and their environment, and the balance between these relationships. I repeat, ecology is a study of relationships between plants, animals, people, and their environment and the balance between these relationships. So today we are discussing agroecology or agroecological requirements. And I just defined ecology. So agroecology is the application of ecological concepts and principles in farming. That is another term. I defined ecology, I have defined agroecology. Uh, we shall also hear things like monocropping, Monocropping is the practice of growing a single crop year after year on the same land. That is monocropping. Intercropping is the practice of growing two or more crops in proximity. Then we shall also hear robusta coffee. Robusta coffee is also known as 
coffee robusta uh, actually the, the scientific name for robusta coffee is coffee canephora that's the scientific name uh, it, it comes from the family of uh, rubiaceae uh-huh. uh, i'm not an expert i'm not a scientist but i'll try uh, then we, we shall also hear things like arabica coffee it's also known as coffee arabica uh coffee arabica is actually also the scientific name and it, it's also from the family of uh, rubiaceae i hope those are the right pronunciations i'll be corrected by the experts if i'm wrong but i'm glad to have you here and i will remind you that uh, these spaces are sponsored by uh, uh, coffee brands and uh, one of them is uh, sarah wild coffee i'm glad i have uh, one of the speakers is uh, is the director of sarah wild coffee and uh, he will talk more about sarah wild coffee when he gets a chance to we are also sponsored by um volcano coffee uh volcano coffee uh, they are found in nakawa and next to total petrol station uh i think they major in roastery if you want to roast your coffee you you find them in Nakawa. Uh, that's uh, and, uh, this is uh, the part of the conversation where I introduce uh, the speakers. Uh, on the panel, we have uh, Mr. Collins Mambu. He's the director of uh, Sarah Wild Coffee. Uh, Mr. Collins, kindly unmute and say hello to the listeners. Uh, Collins, are you on? Uh, I have, um, I think I'll have him later. I have Mr. James Evans Kasozi. Uh, he is an agronomist. Uh, Mr. James, kindly unmute and say hello to the listeners. Uh, good evening to you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is uh, James Evans Kasozi. Uh, Pursuing my Bachelor of Science in Agriculture from Guru University and as well, I'm the speaker for the Guru University Coffee Club. So I thank you all for joining us today as we are going to be dissecting and diving into the coffee industry in Uganda. And I would like to take this opportunity to thank our host, uh, Mr. Kuchiriza Nova Gideon, who came up with this idea of hosting the coffee round table and as well our sponsors Sarah Wild Coffee, Mr. Collins, I thank you, uh, Volcano Coffee, Mr. Katabas Gerald, we are grateful for the opportunity and Sarah Safaris, we are grateful. Thank you, I will be glad this this evening to discuss with you as we move and take the coffee industry to greater levels. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. James Evans Kasozi. Uh, thank you for finding time and thank you for being passionate uh, about coffee. Yeah, um, um, on the panel, I also have um, a very lady a lady who is very passionate about coffee that is none other than uh, miss sandra nakayenze 
Cassandra actually the name is Cassandra Nakayenze she is a farmer and uh, she's the director Kala Mugosi uh, Women Empowerment Limited and also the director Sezui Dream Coffee um Miss Cassandra you are welcome uh, kindly unmute and say hello to the listeners I don't know if it's a network problem uh Mr Collins can you hear me now Yes yes I you know I was having a yeah, trouble right. a bit of trouble <laughs> joining in because all requests were basically failing but thank you very much for letting me in Gideon and thank you very much for everyone that has just joined in and those that have been waiting my name is Collins I'm a director at Sarah Wild Coffee I previously had a discussion uh last week and I'm glad that we were able to make it into the second session of this coffee round table. I believe it's going to be an interesting one discussing, you know, farming of coffee, something that everybody loves. Uh Sierra World Coffee is available in Uganda. I wanted to just hint on that. <laughs> and we have our numbers. We are selling from Entebbe. We also have a location in Kampala. Our Twed Towers uh, we can as well deliver if you're within Kampala and any part of the country we can do deliver. I just wanted to pass that as an ad <laughs> to Gideon. I hope you allow that. Yeah, sure. And you're a sponsor. You have the right to, to really talk about Sarah Wild Coffee. Uh, yes. And just briefly, we grew up with organic coffee, single origin, and we set out to basically define what the word true single origin means. Uh, we're not brokers. We don't buy coffee from anybody. We can take you to the farm and show you where your coffee is basically grown so you can know the cup that you're enjoying its source. I apologize. I have a bit of a cold and my voice is a little different today, but I'll try to chip in from time to time as we share the ideas of uh, the growth around coffee. This is a business we are very passionate about. To us, it's not just a business, but it's becoming a way of life. We are passionately attached to it and emotionally attached. So happy to share. Every time we hear something to do with coffee, we're happy to share. Other directors from Sierra World Coffee are also in this space. I see Michael is on. Thank you for joining, and we'll be we'll be happy to also um, listen to you and your experiences. Thank you, Gideon. That's what I wanted to start with. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Mr. Collins, um, for first of all um, taking up this idea and being part and parcel of the idea and uh, seeing it happen. Uh, okay, I, I will also uh, I would love to uh, recognize uh, Mr. Blessed Isaac Olupot. Uh, thank you so much for being part of this idea and uh, for uh, designing our graphics. Uh, he's the guy behind the artwork you've been seeing. Uh, thank you so much and uh, for engaging me to make sure that we have this. Uh, Mr. Um, Raslon Walker, thank you so much. Uh, uh, that's the team uh, from uh, Sarah Wild Coffee. Thank you so much. Uh, now, uh, I don't know. I think I'm really supposed to to have Cassandra on. I don't know how I should connect with her, but you know, let's start. And I'll start with you. I'll start with you, James. Uh, James, uh, we are starting with the agroecological requirements, and uh, I feel we should start with the soil. What soil is the best 
uh, uh, what soil is favorable for growing coffee. James, over to you. Uh, thank you, sir, for the opportunity. But before we go to the soil, during that time, I checked on into your comments and one one of your followers on X was like, why do we discuss coffee and we don't discuss cotton? One, basically farmers and all passionate agriculturalists, before you go in for for any business idea related to agriculture, you first assess some things. For example, you can assess uh, uh, the productivity and the competitiveness of a product and the demand on the world market. Basically, currently right now, uh, coffee, the returns are high compared. And mostly when you're venturing into an agricultural business, you have to venture into some something that is a bit profitable. So the prices for cotton are a bit low. So it's like a wastage of time if we end up discussing something that it has less returns compared to the inputs. So I think I've answered that very well. Uh, when I move to the soil and land requirements of basically, I'm going to talk about robusta coffee. Uh, robusta coffee that is grown in the low altitude areas covering the central region, parts districts of Luero, Gomba Wakiso, and the mid north, Gulu, Omoro, Pade, and Agago. Though currently, right now, it is not thriving to its best because of some reasons I'm going to tell you. And the areas of the West Nile, the Yumbe, Arua, Moyo, though all those are low altitude districts. Basically, robusta requires fertile and well-related free-draining soils that are slightly acidic with deep humus. Basically, all these can be assessed by your land evaluators or the soil clinics or the people who have soil laboratories. Farmers should opt for these, for these guys because it is not a bit expensive than rather using or adding fertilizers to the soil in a non-recommended way that is deteriorating our soils and has resulted into reduction in productivity. Continuation of that, uh, robusta coffee requires a depth in the moist areas of 1.5 meters of the soils and in drier areas, for example, those ones in the north, three meters, the depth, and we ought to avoid uh, the waterlogged areas and areas with heavy clay, if at all you want to venture into robusta coffee growing. Therefore, we should opt for areas that have sandy rooms with a good soil structure and a good texture for better root establishment and uh, high yields. Basically, we can also talk about the pH that is slightly acidic. That goes up to 5.5 uh, to 6.5, the pH on the pH scale. Uh, and therefore, if the pH is at times is lower than 5.5, for you want to grow robusta coffee, at times we do we do apply agricultural so that we are able to increase the pH 
so that we are able to increase the pH of uh, of our cells, uh, so that we have good yields uh, from our robust coffee. I think I've briefly talked about uh, the the cells that are required by uh, the robust coffee uh, for its growth. I can hand over to our host, Mr. Gideon. Um, thank you so much, uh, uh, Mr. Adams. Katozi, Evan, sorry, Katozi. Uh, did, did you actually talk about uh, the altitude? No, I haven't talked about the altitude in this yes, you, 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 uh, Since you're talking about uh, Robusta coffee, I, I think you should talk about the altitude, the temperatures, the rainfall, and humidity. Uh, so that we have. Um... Uh, so yeah. if I, uh, I continue with the altitude, altitude it ranges between uh, 900 to 1,500 meters. Those are the low altitude areas, all the areas that are having the gentle slopes. Uh, the gentle uh, slopes. And, uh, Mr. James, if I may interrupt. I think it is also important that you give us uh, examples. We shouldn't be so scientific because <laughs> we are not all scientific, uh, scientists. So uh, if you're talking about altitude, uh, you could give us uh, maybe um, uh, regions or districts or areas that, that have uh, a relative attitude where this uh, coffee can be grown. Uh. So the altitude, uh, low altitude areas, if at all um, to talk about the districts, uh, the districts of the central, you can talk about areas of Mpiji districts, Gomba, Wakiso, uh, Rengo, Luero, Masaka, uh, Chotela, all those areas. Uh, Robusta coffee can thrive very well. If you go to the southwestern, you can talk about areas of Bushenyi, uh, Isinjiro, uh, Kamwenje, all those areas and uh, if you go to the west you can talk about districts of kagadi chikube bulisa hoima in all those districts uh, robusta coffee can thrive very well um currently in the north and the west nile it is not performing to the to its best for the re- for the reasons i'm going to tell you and those reasons are basically about uh, temperatures. Uh, so if we continue to the temperatures, robusta coffee basically thrives in areas where we we have the wet and hot areas uh, that receive uh, that have around 22 degrees Celsius to 28 degrees Celsius. Basically, these. These estimates are always given by our meteorological centers uh, at our district levels. So we should always, farmers should always ask their extension workers at sub-county levels uh, to avail them with uh, these numbers. Uh, so the, 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 the robusta is a bit tolerant to hot conditions compared to the arabica that at times grows in the hill areas. Uh, if we continue, the temperatures above 30 degrees Celsius, at times they cause uh, uh, physiological problems. That's why you're seeing that areas of the north 
where I talk about uh, the districts of Pade, uh, Umuru, and if we move to the West Nile, the districts of Arua, Yumbe, Ajumani, and districts of Yumbe, Ajumani, and Moyo that receive uh, temperatures that at times reach 30 degrees Celsius. We have not seen robust thriving well for the reasons that that high temperature results in two flower bushes where we see the flowers dropping off uh, the premature ripening that result into a, low, a lower cup quality and the poor fruit settings and, uh, and at times reduced photosynthesis. Since I won't go into deep science as to why the 30 degrees Celsius results into reduced photosynthesis, but to those ones who have ever sat into uh, the, in the biology class, they know the effect of uh, temperature on, on the enzyme activity. I won't go into that deep science. Uh, when you continue to rainfall and humidity, it requires uh, rainfall that is well distributed over a period of nine months. That, of course, if, if it is well distributed in a period of nine months, I, it means that rainfall is seasonal. And it, uh, it must range to 1,200 millimeters to 1,800 millimeters. And at times, if the rainfall is not enough and you have just planted your young seedlings, uh, we need to always irrigate, uh, uh, to irrigate our gardens at least twice a week uh, for proper establishment of our seedlings. And uh, I also pledge farmers to at least to invest and set up irrigation systems on their farms because we are going into production that is a bit with a high investment so that we have high yields. Uh, of course, most of the times to have, to have that profitability and high yields, farmers, we need to invest in the venture because this one is a business and in every business you have to invest invest of course most of the farmers say that uh, irrigation systems are a bit expensive but these are fixed costs those ones who understand agriculture economics we have the variable costs and the fixed costs this stuff of installing irrigation systems it is part of the fixed costs of course, during your first harvest, you cannot be able to cover up the, the cost of the irrigation system because it is a fixed cost. But in the long run, you are able to cover up this irrigation system. So I pledge all farmers to, to venture into things like irrigation because we are transforming into a world that agriculture is more of science, art, and technology. Uh, when we move to, of course, at times, to simulate flowering, uh, a plant may require around one jelly can, one jelly can for it to flower. Uh, at times, areas with low rainfall extend the flowering, the flowering period thus making harvesting uneven 
there are four at times you can even not achieve berries of good quality uh, even areas that have low rainfall pesticide pest attack and disease attack is always high uh, the pests of of course with time to come we are going to be talking about the pests of coffee pesca arabica also robust and arabica uh, the pests of course we have the red spider mites the twig borers the coffee berry borers and the reef miners i think even it is evident if even in other crops this red spider mites if it shines a lot and in drought in areas exper- experiencing a dry spell these red spider mites are a bit active seen Cassandra around. Um, my apologies once again. I think I got a network glitch. Uh, Collins, I guess you have the microphone now. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay, that's that's great. Um, I can hear you now. Um, let's uh, have the other people. So, uh, Okay. Um, Evans is here. Um, we are just going to resume the conversation. Okay, uh, Evans, I don't know where you had stopped. I don't know if you had ended your submission. I will need to know. Or if you are still carrying on when I interrupted. I had completed. Oh, you had completed. <laughs> Yeah, I had, Apology. I had competed with the agroecological requirements. Okay. Um, I, I hope... Um, okay, let me have... Um, Madam Cassandra back. Uh, kindly request for the microphone. I can see you around. Uh, I'm happy my brother, Gerard Katavaz is here the director of Volcano Coffee. I earlier talked about Volcano Coffee before you joined the conversation as a part of the sponsoring brand. Uh, my brother Kenneth Barije is also here. Um, and, uh, very soon I'll also be having him on the coffee roundtable. Uh, I think I keep losing Cassandra because of network, but I'll have her. Uh, so, James, I hope you talked about... Um, you talked about the soil, uh, the altitude, the temperatures, the rainfall. Did you did you hit the rainfall and the humidity? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. I hope uh, we had um, um, uh, a great engagement. I wanted to have Cassandra before I get to Collins, but uh, Cassandra seems to be disturbed by network. Um, Cassandra, if you can hear me, kindly request for the microphone. I need you here uh, before I actually get to Collins. Okay. I think, um... Uh, 
okay. Oh, Cassandra has a network issue, but uh, she will keep trying. Uh, Cassandra, when uh, network fails, I think I have her now. When network fails, uh, what you do is actually you can... Cassandra, can you hear me now? Yes, please. I can hear you. Okay, you're very welcome. Uh, that is uh, Cassandra for you. Uh, first, uh, greet the listeners. And then uh, you can uh, tap into the agroecological um, requirements for growing Arabica coffee. All right. Good evening, our listeners. Indeed, these are real characteristics of a typical farmer. <laughs> it's my first time doing the excuse and uh, indeed it was a user problem otherwise thank you so much uh, special thanks goes to our hosts our sponsors and our dear listeners for choosing to spare some time such that we are together at uh, the coffee round table my name is Sandra Nakayenze Chiboli I'm a coffee farmer from Sronko district and also working with other farmers at the slopes of uh, Mount Elgon and these are majorly Gulambuli, Sronko and part of Kapchora. I love coffee and not only love it but I also believe that coffee has a greater implication on the livelihood of our farmers. It's a big thing I must say so thank you very much. Back to you, Gideon. Thank you so much, uh, Cassandra. And uh, we welcome you to the Coffee Roundtable. Uh, we hope to have more engagements uh, so that uh, maybe next time you are also part of the sponsors. I was told that you have been in the coffee industry for a long time. So, <laughs> okay, uh, let's get um, to the agroecological requirements uh, for Arabica coffee. Um, um, James talked about Robusta coffee. Now, um, I, I would love you to tell us the agroecological requirements for growing uh, Arabica coffee. Over to you, uh, Cassandra. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I would say that uh, Arabica coffee is one of the two major types of coffee grown in Uganda. And uh, I think the Arabica coffee will contribute 20% of the Uganda coffee volume. And uh, it's an interesting crop, I would say, that loves cool places. Uh, that means the highlands are the best options, the best areas where we can grow the Arabica coffee. When I talk of highlands, I mean the slopes of Mount Elgon, the slopes of East Nile. These are areas that are very good for Arabica coffee uh, because they are at around 1,200 meters above the sea level, up to 2,500 meters above the sea level. All these areas that are cool, that are receiving enough rainfalls, are real good. They are the best, best homes or best habitats to grow Arabica coffee. And uh, maybe to throw 
temperatures. Like I said initially that most of the highlands are not really very hot areas. Coffee does well in cold places. So when you're talking about the temperature for growing the Arabica coffee, would look at uh, uh, like uh, between uh, 20 degrees Celsius and uh, then also when we check on the I would look at uh, uh, when it comes to maybe the styles I would say for those that are interclopping and those that would love to do democloping where you grow coffee as an independent crop without mixing it with other crops. I've seen it so much uh, around Mount Elgon, this region, where our land is, uh, is fragmented. You have a small piece of land and uh, you cannot... Uh, land then we are advising our farmers that they can also intercrop it with the bananas and then make throw more light on the soil i would say that coffee is good uh in well-drained soils and those are volcano soils that are fertile slightly acidic and they must be deep soils that allow uh the water to flow we don't expect coffee to be grown in a water lodged area i know some of our brothers that are coming near uh, from the wetlands i think coffee cannot do well in such an area and then also uh, the red volcanic soils of course that are very good and then also the heavy rains that are yeah that we need and then i had also hinted on the temperatures and i said for places that are between 1500 meters above the sea level uh, these areas they, uh, their temperature range is always between 15 degrees Celsius to 25 degrees Celsius. such an area is good uh, for coffee growing and that's uh, uh, it's the reason why we qualify uh, Arabica to be grown in highlands, like I had initially mentioned about Lorenzori, uh, Mount Elgon, and maybe for my information, we look at, uh, according to our statistics, I think uh, 44, can't, uh, 44 districts are growing coffee in Uganda. However, about 28 districts are growing arabica and the beauty with arabica coffees uh is that they are very competitive on the international market because of its superior quality and because of this position of superior quality it attracts a better price uh, it, it will always have a higher price than the than the robustas and also when uh, from a personal experience from a personal angle like you said i've been in coffee yes i want to look at coffee as as a weapon of uh employment opportunities uh for 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 uganda and if there is any youth uh that is coming from 
this lot of of maybe Mount Elgon or Renzori, where you know your land is suitable for coffee, it is really an insult, a very big insult to your community and to your country if you do not take time to look at uh, and the fact that most of our farmers today around 50 years they are getting old and with the new climate changes some of them are unable to know what's happening what are we going to do and here we are having young people running away from not only the coffee sector but agriculture as a whole and yet uganda not stand without agriculture and coffee is one of the important the most valuable things in this country and more so to the smaller holder farmers and to the farmers that I'll, I'll take this opportunity to to recognize the farmers in Pulambuli in Bujinyanya when you go there you learn love the coffee farming they are doing it to another level they are working together as groups and when you see your neighbor is improving on yield you go and ask you learn from them they are working together i must say every season there is a new farmer buying a truck in a in Ubudinyanya, Masira area. You see, they are taking their children to Kampala, Mukono schools. These are coffee farmers. It means that coffee is, uh, I, I would look at it as uh, something that does not only boost, hmm? it's, it's, uh, it's, it boosts economy in, in our country, I, I would say that. And uh, to those that are not doing well, I would say that uh, one of the key things is lack of knowledge, lack of knowledge and resources to properly grow the coffee. If those that are struggling, those that are doing bad, you realize that lack of knowledge. So we need the young people. I was happy when I was listening to the agronomist that was talking. Today we have so many with degrees they tell us yeah i have a degree in this but nobody is going to their community to even identify the need to guide these farmers we are joined the coach at the age of 21 i would say after university very stranded i don't know what to do i have no job a formal job but when i went on training farmers around uh Blamburi and Sironko, I remember I didn't own a coffee plantation at that time, but I'm using coffee as an opportunity that I can train these farmers. I can tell them about uh, the processing bit of coffee. It's my first time also to learn about cupping at that time. I'm like, wait, when you, you grow your coffee after all this investment that you have put in, Hmm? You have bought the fertilizer, you have waited for all these months for your coffee to mature. And then
where are you losing? And it, this is an opportunity for young people out there to come at the grassroots to work with farmers and be able to grow coffee as a business, to, to improve the practices, to see where are the gaps, why sincerely would you wait for your coffee for all these months to mature, and then you dry it underground and you sell it at a low price. So I think it's a big opportunity for, for young people to come in as much as also we want to encourage the our private partners, the people in the private sector and the government to see maybe how best we could uh, modernize the coffee processing bits because uh, yeah, most of the farmers are still using the coffee pulping machines of 19. 54. That's what my father told me when I asked him how old is this machine. He said, ah, this car came in 1984. However, we are having uh, so many things that are happening. We have a load map, we have UCDA uh, clearly stating the goals where we want to see Uganda. We really need coffee. But where are the young people? What is your role along the coffee? value chain how do we get there because it's a mindset it's us it's, it's a journey that you decide on your own and i would like to conclude by saying that uh choosing to grow coffee if you're going up there that is living around the favorable conditions that today we have talked about the soil sustainability then it's high time that you start growing coffee because coffee is not only a, a source of income, but it's also an employment to very, very, very many young people today. You can even position yourself in the transport sector. Every day I meet young boys are riding motorbikes or, uh, around the slopes of Mount Elgon. The roads are bad. And then I'm like, man, if this uh border border people are not there how would we be transporting our coffee because the places vehicles cannot reach so coffee is real something big something big that each and everyone of us can tap into and benefit and transform the livelihoods at the grassroots thank you uh, thank you so much madam sandra uh, that was really um, insightful. Uh, but before I let you go, I have a, a simple question for you. So you, you, you seem to say that uh, you, it's really impossible for one to grow Arabica coffee in flatlands. Yes. So it's a, it's a yes and a no. One uh, is um, you would look at maybe for those that are in flat areas that are below 1,200 meters above that. I think they can maybe try the robustas, but Arabica may not do well. The higher you go, the cooler it becomes. And it's also a big threat today that the 
it, it's becoming extremely hot. That means that it is also a threat to Arabica coffee. If we do not uh, take climate change seriously, this also means that tomorrow we may not have space. Keep going higher, 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 higher until we can no longer reach anywhere. But for Arabica coffees, yeah, they will need uh, highland areas like I have highlighted initially the red soils, volcano soils. You cannot go and grow coffee in a wetland or a place that is waterlogged. It will not do well. You'll even realize that some parts of Sionko, you get, we, we are clearly that Sionko are growing coffee, but there are some places in Sionko and in Lambuli that cannot grow Arabica coffee. However, for those that uh, can do maybe the irrigation uh, plant, maybe the indigenous trees to ensure that there is enough shade, then you can attempt to grow coffee. Okay. Thank you so much, Cassandra. Um, you'll, uh, thank you. You can actually mute your microphone. So that I don't, I don't get feedback. Uh, okay, thank you so much, Cassandra. And you really raised a very important issue of uh, young people engaging in coffee production. And, uh, you know, uh, people like uh, James, uh, those that are professionals in the field, to come and, you know, guide farmers and also be part and parcel. And this is one of the reasons we started the coffee roundtable to actually entice young people uh, to get in in the coffee industry as we go on uh with with, uh, with these conversations uh i i think we shall have a bragging point where <laughs> uh, those with coffee brands can actually tell these young people how much they are earning from the coffee brand so that uh, I, some of us are the young people uh, when we hear coffee and agriculture we think it's a uh, it's a thing for old people but we are all looking for money and uh, if this is where the money is why can't we go there and get this money i will now hand over to mr collins mr collins is um is the director at sarah wild coffee uh, these are our sponsors for this space tonight uh, uh, together with uh, Volcano Coffee, uh, Mr. Gerard is here. Uh, they are our sponsors for the night. So over to you, Collins, and I want you to supplement to the uh, to what um, uh, to what Cassandra has just talked about. I, I also want you to 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 supplement on Arabica Coffee, uh, the ecological uh, requirements for growing Arabica Coffee. Over to you, um, Collins. Thanks, Gideon, and thank you, everyone, for for joining in. Uh, <laughs> wow, what can I say? I think Cassandra did dissect this properly. She spoke my mind. She spoke almost everything I wanted to say about Arabica coffee, the farming of Arabica coffee, and she put that importance. You know, the the regional and a little bit of uh, yeah, that that the emotional attachment um of the people of the mountains and i expected exactly that thank you cassandra you didn't disappoint um i think james did also a great job from the 
the scientific side of things. He delivered a good job on that. And I, I was just looking at a, a few things that basically cut across. And at the same time, I think Gideon, I'll look. I'll try. I'll try to also reason a bit in on in the in the direction of the question that you asked, Cassandra. Um, but first, I think one of the major differences that strike across the two, James and Cassandra's submission, is basically the slightly. Uh, there's what they they used um, about the the soils when they were describing the soil acidity or the soil pH. From the side of Robusta, James said that Robusta does well in the pH range between 5.5 and 6.5. So that's a really really wide range, and that raises a question to me: Would that mean that? It's, it's a question, but James, you can answer that later. Would that mean that, because both of them say there is striking resemblances, right? There is well-drained soils, which cut across both Robusta and Arabica, and then the soil pH, the slightly acidity, Robusta cutting across from 5.5 to 6.5, and then Arabica being a little bit restricted from 6 to 6.5 and when it came to the temperatures as well i saw as if um arabica has less tolerance to higher temperatures so i think i think that will take us again to why altitude is always emphasized so much because higher altitude means actually a little lower temperatures and cassandra said yeah, the higher you go, the cooler it becomes. So that's why we do the Arabic and the higher altitudes. But I also noticed that it seems like Robusta can as well perform, can can tolerate those very those slightly higher temperatures, but also lower. Which means my question will always be: So does it mean that I can in the Elegon Renzoi areas can I still grow Robusta coffee? Can it still thrive? up in those areas i think from these submissions i see as if it's it's possible to grow robusta again someone can correct me i think it's possible to grow robust in the areas that grow arabica but it's difficult to grow arabica in areas that grow robusta um, another thing i wanted to touch a bit on that is the the altitude that they emphasize a lot why higher altitudes for robusta on that side i think a few of the things i picked up again is because robusta coffee no arabica coffee arabica coffee is more susceptible to diseases and i think there is a couple of diseases and pests that do not thrive in areas that are cooler that would rather damage the the robusta the arabica coffee pretty fast and so thriving at high altitudes means that less exposure to some of those pests now in the previous week's submission i did mention some research paper that said that by 2050 a lot of our arabica coffee species will be going extinct we may not have so much of arabica here unless something significantly happens that will change the cause the course of, of, of the course of direction of the current climate change that we're going through. 
and um, now you've had many testimonies where people from the mountainous areas that are growing previously Arabica coffee or still growing Arabica coffee complaining that the infections are many they are increasing there's many pests now even new ones that were not known that were not here decades before and diseases and I think this takes us back now to the climate change it's real the global warming is real because I just mentioned a while ago that the higher altitudes were known for having less pests and diseases and the reasons because those would not survive better or breed better in areas that are cooler in, term, in, in temperatures that are much cooler that have much cooler temperatures and now the reason why people in the mountains including ourselves as Sierra Wild, are complaining so much of the mass disease and infection and pest attacks it's because the temperatures are now increasing when we're growing up the temperatures in fact up there in Bulambuli used to be as low as 18 degrees and now it's very difficult for you to find 18 degrees up there the places where we're growing coffee temperatures have now increased to then they are 28 30 degrees so things are changing pretty fast and i think those are some of the reasons why it's becoming a little bit tricky to now grow coffee there now another part that i wanted to touch a little just to supplement again was the i think cassandra talked about it is the shed trees extremely important that when you plant your arabica coffee you plant shed trees we are all victims because we purchase land we plant coffee we run very fast to plant coffee and then we think about the shed trees later now shed trees have a way of creating some sort of a micro environment within which your coffee can thrive and suppress the temperature effect and we think that with that maybe you can be able to curb uh you know reduce minimize the the the, the rate of disease um and the and pests basically in your coffee plantation so you can keep it that's the supplement side that i wanted to do on both submissions very very great submissions that i was able to ask myself those questions i know that many people probably had similar questions i was just trying to supplement on our side going back on our side of um sewer coffee for us we're growing specifically organic coffee we got hit by some diseases so it's real we are fighting with them but again um growing we realized that growing organic coffee actually champion sustainability and ecological harmony this actually means growing coffee the way organic coffee is is basically all about working hand in hand with mother nature okay it's a commitment to cultivating this coffee the arabica coffee that will grow without synthetic pesticides or fertilizers and this in return means cleaner beans richer flavors and a healthier environment for everyone that is involved when we say everyone that's involved it's not just humans it's the birds it's the insects the bees it's the animals it's the it's the water streams that come down from those mountains it's basically preserving life generally because imagine 
that you have your coffee plantation fully flowered and it's attracting bees that are coming onto it so what's gonna happen is that the bees are gonna come and collect nectar do pollination of your coffee but at the same time they are carrying away something that is poisoned by pests and it's gonna take that and use it as a component of making the honey in the hives and what's gonna happen is that you're going to take to buy that honey and consume it with synthetic material in it so this gives you a less a, a less a less healthier environment uh whoever that is touching or eating whatever is formed out of that is going to become part of the, the entire chain and then of course heavy metals deposited into the soil if you're putting those fertilizers what's happening is that when the rains come they get eroded into the rivers the water gets contaminated the grass that is growing the animals are feeding so it's a, it's a complete cycle it's a complete cycle that basically we have to break and that's the reason why we choose to go organic farming but what are the benefits some people think organic coffee is just a fancy word it's not just a, a buzzword actually it's it's uh, me i always call it a cup full of goodness basically the absence of of chemical residues ensures that you have um more robust flavor profiles and a much healthier life so i would say it's a win for our health because there's no harmful chemicals sneaking into your daily morning brew and it, it all goes down to that that means you visit the hospital less often we can talk about all the benefits of of drinking coffee and all of that stuff but when you talk about the benefits of drinking coffee you should be talking about drinking healthier coffee not coffee that is contaminated with chemicals that is just gonna end up actually harming you and you end up in the hospital and sometimes you get severe damages that you'll never be able to 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 treat basically it doesn't it doesn't stop there basically it goes all the way to um you know fostering biodiversity if you're doing organic it's more like creating a mini ecosystem where uh, coffee plants thrive alongside um, a wider variety of flora and fauna birds surviving insects and, and and humans as well so it's basically more like a I would say um, a chain, um, like a, it, 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 it makes the fields more attractive because people are living healthier there, birds are living healthier there, animals are, everything basically thriving. So it's a much larger benefit to growing organic coffee than the inorganic. I understand that now we are all chasing money and we wanna grow things very fast and make that money very, very fast. But at the same time, we are killing ourselves faster. Now, as fancy as all this may sound, it does not come without challenges. The challenges are immense. We can talk about that all day without exhausting. Because growing or making a decision to grow organic coffee requires a little bit of TLC. You really need to put your mind to it. It's more like a dance with nature and sometimes the weather doesn't play along very well with us. 
But I think that's the very essence of organic, the beauty, that's the beauty in it. Those difficulties we face, the challenges is is the is the beauty that we see in it for us that do basically organic. And and I think overcoming these challenges makes it's what makes every sip in your organic cup <laughs> make more sense to you and more rewarding. Um, I'm, I'm not saying this to encourage people to, to, you know, to run into growing organic coffee, but to make people think so that they can probably consider some of these options because we're all talking about environment, environment, um, the, the climate change, um, global warming and things like this, but we are all, a lot of us are thinking about going to grow coffee and pumping it with synthetic material and they don't know that actually we are going against the very goals that we're championing out there so going organic is a, is a dedication and so we cannot forget you know those people that are dedicated the farmers that are behind the scenes that we don't see um because going organic isn't always the easiest path but these farmers um they are basically rewriting the narrative they are not just growing coffee they are actually nurturing a sustainable legacy for generations to come for me this is how i see it now one last thing i wanted to answer uh to dig into gideon you asked cassandra whether in fact the word you used was flat flat land I think that I, it, this is my, again, this is my way of reasoning it out. I think flat does not necessarily equate to to low altitude because even on higher altitudes, you could actually have flat lands. I think the key word should have been whether they can grow, whether the, the Arabica coffee can grow at lower altitudes, but not flat. Because even up in the mountains, Bujinyanya, Capuchora in... A Bulago, we have places that are flat, but they, I think the, the, the key is to make sure that the soils are well drained, so you don't have soils where water sits for a very long time and you can't drain it, and also to make sure the acidity, the soil is slightly acidic, falling within that pH range. As long as you are on altitudes 1200 up to all the way up to 3000 i think your arabica coffee should be able to thrive well whether this whether the land is flat or it is it is a gentle slope as long as you're able to manage it properly but if you if you know if you see that you you can be on high land with all of these altitudes and stuff but the soil is not well drained your arabica coffee will not grow well because it's very sensitive to water so that's another key aspect I wanted to pull out. Yeah, I, I know many people may be having similar questions like the ones I had I tried to answer, so I'll, I'll, I'll let the space back to you, Gideon. Uh, thank you so much, Collins. Uh, that, that was really quite insightful. Um, and uh, of course, um, using the terms flat and all that is because it's, it's my deficiency in the the science and, uh, and the experience in coffee uh, but uh, you know we shall uh, have the conversation 
Uh, thank you so much. Now, uh, before you actually go, um, I, you know, I love to ask it, ask basic question uh, so that every person on the space can can understand. You talked about um, Arabica coffee growing in higher altitudes, and we've heard uh, stories of how uh, Buganda, the Buganda region, I think the central re- uh, region, used to be used to grow a lot of coffee. Uh, as as opposed to today, uh, so does the, does this mean that they only? I, I suppose it is in uh, um, the Buganda region is in, on a lower altitude. Uh, does this mean that uh, only robusta coffee was grown in Buganda? I I would say correct. That's correct because as we've seen, Arabica coffee has specific altitude requirements from 1200 and above and buganda area is on very low altitudes below 1200 so arabica coffee well by the way there are trials that have been done of growing arabica coffee personally now our family we've tried to plant arabica coffee in weogere you know weogere area so and it grew actually they were harvesting the coffee it grew for a couple of years however the flavor profiles were not exactly what you expected to get from the typical arabica coffee so i believe they were growing only robusta coffee because they the soils were not allowing the creation of a proper uh, arabica coffee profile okay uh, thank you so much i can see uh, i think cassandra is having network issues but she's back. Uh, Cassandra, kindly request for the microphone again. I'll, I'll have you on the panel. So uh, thank you so much, Collins. Uh, you can mute your microphone. I want to go to James. And uh, once uh, Cassandra is back, I'll also uh, give her a question. Then I'll allow in submissions uh, from uh, uh, the listeners, submissions and questions. But before that, I'd love to read... Uh, uh, from the comment section, uh, Russ Lone Walker uh, says coffee is one of the leading commodities where about 5 million people are engaged in its production. Among traded commodities, coffee is the largest contributor to exports, which is uh, for financial year, which for financial year 2017-2018 was valued at 492 million US dollars, representing 16% of the total exports. Uh, thank you for the insights, Russell Walker. He goes ahead to say, in terms of volumes, Uganda is first, is the first, uh, is first Commonwealth producer. Uh, that that's coffee, and uh, second African producer and eighth world producer for robusta production. Uh, it is the world's fourth largest producer, and I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know why we never have uh, these things talked about. Uh, I think uh, um, uh, I blame it to Minister of Tourism and and uh, and uh, Agriculture and, and UCDA at the same time. Uh, so many Ugandans do not know these things. We compete in uh, sports and whatever, but uh, they, they are uh, you know sectors where we are beating almost the entire world, and uh, and uh, they are not known. Uh, Russell Walker goes ahead to say, given the untapped production potential, 
Uganda has a rare opportunity to benefit from increasing both the volume and the quality of its coffee to supply this increasing demand. Thank you so much. I'll, I'll be reading more of the, of the comments later. Um, I request Cassandra to request for the microphone again. I don't know. Let me invite you to speak. You could uh, accept. Um, so uh, I, I want to put this to James. We are seeing a challenge of uh, deteriorating climate change. And, uh, and uh, it seems the climate is actually affecting uh, all these the, 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 the ecological requirements we talked about. It's affecting the soils, it's affecting altitude. It, it's uh, not necessarily altitude, it's affecting temperatures. It's also affecting rainfall and humidity. So what, 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 what you suggest coffee growers should do to address the climate change issue? Over to you, James. Uh, well, basically, uh, most of the times, uh, our farmers uh, do not preserve the environment. Uh, most of them carry out a, a deforestation. Of course, that one results into the emission of the greenhouse gases that has resulted into an increased rate of climate change. Therefore, most of the times, they urge all farmers to use, to integrate all the methods when they are carrying out different management practices. For example, if I told you carrying out, uh, you're carrying out opening of land, you can integrate in slashing, uh, you can use digging, but you should not go and carry out deforestation and destruction destruction procedures. For example, uh, bush burning. That those are some of the those are some of the reasons that have resulted into climate change. If at all you're controlling pests, use the IPM method, which is called the integrated pest management method. If at all you're using chemicals. Use also biological ways of reducing these pests in the gardens to a level that is not destructive to our crops. If at all you're using the, the chemical procedure, use the casual ways. For example, early planting, pruning, uh, flushing, uh, if at all you're using chemicals, integrate them with other biological procedures so that we are able to control those pests in a way that does not destroy our environment. I think I, that's it. Okay, uh, thank you so much, uh, James Evans. Uh, uh, I have... uh, yes, please. But I think we haven't covered the systems and the the varieties. Yes, I'm coming to that. Uh, yes, uh, thank you. Uh, so I, I can see um, Kenneth uh, Barija requested for the microphone and um, I'll surely give it to him. Seems he has something to share. But uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll uh, keep reading the comments. Kamsha Von Bismarck, 
uh, says uh, thanks Gideon for the space. I am someone who is passionate about coffee production, though I haven't practically engaged in its production. I hope this will help me to get a lot of knowledge about it so that I can have I can have it in our area, Kazo district. I'm really glad because this is uh, why we are one of the reasons I opened up, uh, I started this idea to have people, you know, fall in love with coffee and, and get interested. I also have Joseph T. Uh, Joseph T. says, Robusta carries active and ex and expressing genes, conditioning resistance to important adversaries, but does not possess quality attributes. And also it has greater caffeine content. My question to speakers is what are you breeding? What are your breeding efforts to develop Robusta Arabica hybrids? I hope that our question is noted. Let me repeat the question. What are your breeding efforts to develop Robusta Arabica hybrids? Yeah, um, uh, that's from Joseph T. And lastly, uh, Mbaho Michael says, why is it that coffee is not best grown in West, in the Western part of Uganda? I also hope that question is taken. Now, um, I want to, to get back to uh, Madame Cassandra before I have, uh, I think Kenneth has a supplement. So before we run to, to, to um, uh, the other topic, let me have Kenneth on the microphone to supplement on what has been talked about. Kenneth, over to you. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you, Kwishirizan. Good evening to everyone on the spaces. I, I wanted to add a comment on the climate change. So as the climate change, uh, as we continue to see changes, even the soils are getting tired. So we have uh, the world becoming warmer. We have short rainfalls, but at the same time, the soils are getting tired because we overuse them, because we have, for example, mono uh, uh, systems where we have a single crop. Now, we've been talking about for a long time what we call sustainable uh, practices. And someone has challenged us and says, sustainable mean, means you're sustaining. And now there's a new practice that I wanted to share and add, uh, which is uh, regenerative agriculture. Uh, so this is a conservation and rehabilitation approach to farming. Uh, this method, which is now being promoted and uh, practiced by most of us who are organic farmers, uh, is holistic and designed not only to sustain the soils like we've been doing, but also to regenerate them. And this improves soil health. So by strengthening soil health, regenerative agriculture helps make the agro-ecosystems that we work with more productive and resilient while improving um, uh, farmers' livelihoods and what is possible. So now it becomes important to look at, as climate changes, how do we make our productive assets 
the, the farms, the soil, are resilient. And quickly, some of the practices that we we encourage or some of the practices that we are practicing on our farms uh, include soil conservation, it includes intercropping. So an example, putting uh, beans in a, in a coffee farm so that you're fixing nitrogen. Uh, it includes integrating crop livestock, livestock management. If you have goats and you have cows and you have rabbits at the farm, then you're able to get waste that helps you um, uh, improve nutrients in the soil. It uh, links to integrated nutrient management, uh, pest disease management like uh, the agronomist talked about. Of course, uh, it's the important part of regenerative uh, practices agroforestry, where we are not only um, protecting what we are already growing, but also increasing, uh, contributing to reforestation. Um, then also integrated weed management, waste management, um, water management, and lastly, where it comes to coffee uh, renovation and rehabilitation of the coffee plants that we have. So that is the comment that I had. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, uh, before you actually leave, um, Kajungu Ezra says farmers have degraded soils with chemicals such as glypho uh, glyphosates. So what can a farmer do to restore soil into reproductive state? So, uh, f first of all, not all chemicals are bad. And I'm not an expert on, on uh, chemicals, especially because I am organic certified. Um, the, issue, the number one issue has always been the amount of chemicals that is applied or the chemical that is applied without uh, someone who understands. So um, experts or agronomists who understand the chemical composition. Now, then the other big problem we have, which affects how the soil performs, it is the the mass, uh, the, 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 the uniform application of chemicals. Chemicals are supposed to restore a certain deficient deficiency in the soil. So it should be based on testing the soil. Then you know this soil lacks potassium. And therefore, I'm going to bring something that will address this particular deficiency. However, as an organic farmer, the best advice would be have organic methods of improving soil nutrient, and that is application of organic manure, which you can produce with animal waste, you can produce with um, uh, vegetative matter, and then you restore the, the, the soil. In most cases, the chemical-based fertilizers will come in to give like um, like an emergence shot. So the tree is struggling, you give it an emergence shot, it works that, that uh, season, but it actually takes much more nutrients out of the soil. Whereas on the other, on the side of uh, organic uh, manure or compost that we produce in our household, you're able to now uh, improve the nutrients in the soil and it goes beyond, um, uh, beyond that uh, season to, to more seasons. Now, I know that when it comes to myself, I'm a commercial farmer, it becomes very difficult to, to manage 
a farm that is 100 acres and above using organic um, uh, manure. But there are other practices. For example, if you plant, alfa, um, I think it's called alfalfa, you plant it, it, become, it, it fights the weed, but also when you, uh, you slash it, it will feed the soil. So there are organic practices that you can do even at a large scale. You're talking about 100, 200 um, um, acre farms. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Kenneth. Uh, that, that was uh, quite insightful. And um, I hope you're addressing so many questions that have been uh, moving around. Now, I'll go to uh, Madam Cassandra. Madam Cassandra, um, you, you, I want you to address uh, Arabica coffee. Um, so between monocropping and intercropping, what would you, what is more favorable for Arabica coffee? Cassandra, over to you. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure listening to Kenneth, and I missed a little bit of the director for seller. I would say, yeah, I think it's a, it's a productive evening that uh, we learn and share different things. Kenneth, thank you so much. Ah, uh, back to the question about uh, how we can do the what? How we can do the intercropping? Is it? Yes, uh, would you would you encourage intercropping or monocropping for uh, uh, um, Arabica coffee? I would encourage the intercropping for coffee. One is that uh, it will uh, help the farmer. Is that for general coffee uh, or uh, specifically Arabica coffee? Uh, specifically Arabica coffees, okay. I'm not okay. so much well conversant with uh, robustas, but for Arabica coffees, I would say, uh, can do well with banana. One, more so for those that are starting uh, a new coffee farm uh, of uh, the seedlings that you're planting and you do not have trees already in the coffee uh, plantation we advise you to plant uh, the bananas one they will provide shade for the young coffees as they grow and secondly uh, you will also be able to sell the bananas and make some money i have a lady that i know i think she's in um, Masila, where she sells her bananas that are in the coffee plantation on a daily basis. She says she can sell bananas worth 400,000. Yeah, throughout. So, intercropping, I, I recommend it. The only challenge I have with farmers on the mountains when they do excessive intercropping to the level that you reach a coffee plantation not even a coffee plantation you reach a garden and you wonder what is this is it a botanical garden it is having um, the yams it's having the coffee it's having uh, it's having soya beans it has maize 
everything. And when you come to, let's say, there is an extension, there is a you have access to some fertilizer, it's going to be difficult. You're going to give maybe fertilizer one, you think you are putting fertilizer for coffee. That's what you have told. Maybe Karabungos to come in and support you with fertilizer. I give you fertilizer knowing I'm giving you fertilizer for coffee. When you take it there, the very the, the little fertilizer is being fed, you know, uh, uh, the, the is on, on the fertilizer. The coffee is on the fertilizer. So at the end of the day, you have a lot of confusion in your head that the same confusion is is transported <laughs> to the coffee tree, to everything. At the end of the day, you 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 find farmers, sometimes you blame the, the, the fertilizer you put in that maybe they sold you the what uh they sold for uh, they sold you fertilizers that are not uh, good maybe so you end up losing at the end of the day the, the the plants are sharing the little that you have but for those that today if somebody wants to do the better intercropping then you are going to look at the space how far is the 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 the, the coffee tree how far should the coffee tree be away from the banana plantation and then another coffee tree like that than congesting the whole small coffee garden with everything in it and then tomorrow you have low yields all you see in your farm are leaves green leaves but you can't see the coffee that is growing so i think i would say that it's a it's a question of uh, it calls for the young people back, the agronomists, those that can go on phones and type and read. And this actually, UCDA has a very wonderful notebook on how to grow the Arabica coffees. These are some of the materials that anybody that is passionate about coffee would go and buy. I don't know, or sometimes they give them for free and be able to access the knowledge. You can even check it on internet and be able to learn every day you learn something about the coffee it's a big thing it's so big that you know, i think you can read about coffee and even become uh, get even a phd in coffee teaching yourself a lot of the things thank you now thank you so much Cassandra. uh that uh, that's quite insightful um Okay, uh, when you're done, kindly mute the microphone so that we don't get feedback. Thank you. Uh, but uh, thank you so much. Um, I would love the conversation to flow. Uh, but uh, we, 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 I see a lot of comments and uh, they're really interesting comments. I think we have uh, interesting people who actually some have a lot of knowledge about coffee and are really setting interesting questions. But uh, we, I want us to tap into the varieties and I will, I will first hand over to, um, to uh, Collins to take us through the varieties of uh, Arabica coffee shortly. Then I'll have James to uh, take us through the varieties of Robusta coffee. And then we shall uh, uh, welcome in both 
uh, uh, questions from the comment section and those on the microphone. So I'll be giving uh, the microphone to those who wish to say something. Uh, now you can ask for the microphone. You will wait for the right time to ask your question. Over to you, Collins. Hi, hi, Gideon. Thank you. Um, well, before I talk about the varieties, which is not, I'm, I'm a less interested guy into that. As you know, I'm not really an agronomist, but I'm just a, a layman, a farmer that is just driven by passion. But I wanted to just hint on something extremely interesting that Kenneth brought up, which is regenerative agriculture. I always say, I always say to my people, take care of the soil health and the soil will in return take care of you. It will reward you. You have to figure out ways to feed that soil, not just by pumping in chemical, but by feeding it more organically and naturally. And I think that's where the whole component of regenerative agriculture comes in. It's, it's a very wide subject on its own that you can study and go on and on. I've done quite a lot of self-driven research around that. And at some point I was even venturing into creating soil from all of the raw material and the garbage that we have available. Some people call it carbon farming. So it's a very vast, I'm just bringing it up to interest more people to go and study that. Carbon farming, regenerative agriculture. And the key, the key driver is take care of the soil and the soil will basically take care of you or the soil will reward you in return. And maybe that will be part of the conversations we should be having in the spaces of, uh, of uh, in the face of the climate change, global warming, you know. Then the other I wanted to hint on, which Sandra, Sandra was discussing, was about the intercropping, is... Um, Yes, intercropping is good, but it also depends on a couple of things. And I think she did raise that point. How do you exactly intercrop and what do you intercrop with? Some people are intercropping. I have visited farms in Bulambuli, Silonko, Kapchora, and you walk through a coffee farm and you cannot tell whether it's a coffee farm or um, um, Matoke farm or something else, a couple of creeping plants. You, you stand and face right into the farm and you hardly differentiate between a coffee plant and something else so people just abuse it they overdo it and i think that it goes for all the people in this space i know we have good intentions for better farming methods it, it's a wider topic maybe gideon you can consider in future the topic is called um the farm economics so farm economics will probably pull out those good ideas that will guide people what kind of intercropping how should you do it why should you do it you should surely intercrop for a reason like i said growing organic coffee is extremely expensive and so you have to figure out other ways to make some quick money or income that can sustain your workers on the farm and at the same time gives you some sort of reason to go on and on but at the same time the intercropping has so many other advantages but when we go into farm economics i think there's a lot more things to learn there um on the side of the arabica coffee varieties there's quite a lot of them you know they have developed a lot of 
the spaces in Arabica coffee that I think they, they, they thought would be more disease and weather resistant and things like that. But in our previous submission, uh, in the Elgon Mountains in Uganda, we have the SL28. I think there's also an SL34 uh, that is mostly deployed in Kenya. There's SL, there's another SL, I think it's 14 or something like that. But I think we're doing mostly the 28 and 14. Michael, you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong. And I think the 34 is mostly done in Kenya. But, um, there is a couple more Arabica coffee species I've seen, I think, in some of the submissions somewhere in the, on the Twitter space or in some of the posts Kenneth was doing. I was following I'm following you so much closely. And I saw, I think, in some of the conversations, people were discussing the Geisha or the Geisha coffee variety. Then there is some that are basically the Javas. There's also the SL9s quite a couple of them but grown in different parts of the world ethiopia for example has quite a variety that does not even grow or we haven't tried it in in uganda some of them are hybrids it's a wide range of them but for uganda i think we're doing mostly this sl 28 and maybe the 14 and i think there's some guys that are doing a bit of the 34 but there is by the way, there is, I think, hundreds of those varieties available on the market. Um, there is also the original, which I talked about last time, the original Nyasaran variety, before these developments or these modifications of the coffee varieties came in. And I think for, more, for the most part, a lot of the people in the Elgon Mountains that are still growing the ancient coffee, Arabica coffee, are sticking to the original Nyasaran variety before those modifications into the SL uh, varieties and all of these new ones that have come in. So I'm more familiar with the original Nyasaland and a bit of the SL because these are grown so much in these regions. But I wanted to mention that there's quite a lot, there's hundreds of them in Arabica and all of them have been developed for different reasons as, as a result of research uh, to try and resist uh, do pest control, resist disease, and also um, the weather, the climate changes. Yeah, I think that's my submission on that, Gideon. Back to you. Thank you so much, Collins. Uh, thank you. I will uh, now move to James. To uh, I think later, um, <clears throat> Cassandra will also supplement on the varieties of Arabica coffee. Let me first have James to give us an insight on the uh, on the uh, varieties of Robusta coffee. Over to you, James. Um, thank you. Uh, first of all, I'm going to first comment about intercropping as per Robusta is concerned. Of course, with intercropping, basically in Robusta, uh, the recommended crops, we have the soya beans, we have nuts we have the beans we have the cabbage and the banana but the beans at times they shouldn't be continuously grown as they result in two organic farming you can also intercrop with the regimes 
legumes they are essential in a way that they fix nitrogen into the soil therefore that one it is organically done than use of of fertilizers for example the npk uh the npk the dab in order to supply to add the uh, nitrogen into our soil uh and also when you're intercropping you should in, you should not use high nutrient demand crops so all those farmers who are growing robusta i don't advise you to intercrop with high nutrient demand crops for example maize millet rice cassava root tubers and potatoes uh usually intercropping for robusta we usually use banana but you have a recommended planting ratio which is 1 to 4 it means robusta because the spacing for robusta is 10 by 10 feet so if you're planting 10 by 10 you you hold that your seedlings are spaced by 10 by 10 feet in between it means you're making a like a square form where the bushes of our coffee are at the edges in the middle you have to plant there one sucker of banana so because if i told you also over planting the banana they may not thrive because the coffee are there i bit they require a lot of nutrients and water so if i run to the different varieties of robusta coffee uh in the past in the early 1990s there used to be the robusta elite seedlings but due to the outbreak of the coffee disease disease in the early 1990s that resulted into the destruction of the coffee trees around to a percentage of 56% by the year 2002 The National Agricultural Research Organization of Uganda came out with an initiative to develop the coffee wilt disease resistant varieties which most of you call the CWDR varieties or the KR varieties that are from 1 to 10 the KR it means the nourish to the robusta and this one was basically developed at uh, they are bred at and multiplied at the institute that is basically responsible for research in coffee the national agricultural coffee research institute that is found in chitoza mukono therefore these are some of the the, the, the varieties the lines there the car 1 is 10 that is car 1 car 2 car 3 car 4 car 5 car 6 and car 7 up to 10 but these ones differ they may differ in terms of resistance resistance to diseases and also the productivity per hectare so the car the car 8 to 10 we are they are resist in the year 2017 but they are still under multiplication but first those ones that we are released in the year 2009 they are, they are KR1 or the CWR1 from 1 up to 
but the KR2 has not performed well and most of the the nursery operators that are certified by the Uganda Coffee Development Authority they are withdrawing from producing the KR2 variety online so I'm not recommending farmers to go into the KR2 variety of the Robusta but I, but due to but these varieties when you're setting up your coffee plantation you should mix these varieties for the reason of their uniqueness in characters and their advantages and disadvantages so you, you advise at least to plant at least five lines of these Kara series from the one up to the seven that have been so far released. I can differentiate them in a way that the Kara one, the yield is to 2,200 2, kgs per hectare. An hectare, it, it is around, it measures around 2.5 acres. Uh, the Kara one is resistant to the blister disease and also resistant to the coffee wheat disease that is basically f- affecting most of the coffee farmers. And also the, the Kara two the, that I'm not currently recommending farmers because of the what all the coffee like basing on the result or the what all the these coffee farmers are commenting about it regarding about the yield and the performance and the resistance against diseases it was yielding around 2600 kgs per hectare the kara theory it used 4900 kgs uh, the kara 4 it yields 2300 kgs and also resistant to the coffee disease the coffee rust and the red blister disease we shall be talking about uh, the diseases and the pests in the future spaces the KRS KR5 it re, it has an output of 2900 kgs per hectare and KR6 also 2600 kgs per hectare KR7 3000 kgs per hectare and also had a comment from one of the farmers these ends that the KR7 it is performing very well so if you inter- if you're mixing this you want to create a, a coffee plantation and you're buying your seedlings you have to tell that nursery operator to mix for you the KR7 because it has a high productivity and resistance and also you you can put in the KR4 KR3, KR5 and KR6 or KR1 but don't put in the KR2 because of the response from the farmers about its productivity and resistance I think that's what I have for now Wow, thank you so much uh, James uh, that, that's really insightful and uh, just to remind our listeners uh, my partner uh, uh, blessed Isaac Olpot is really working on um, on um, <coughs> on uh, uh, um, well the name is keeping me uh, uh, but I'll, I'll get it soon and, and, and I'll, I'll let you know 
So uh, let me have, I think Kenneth has uh, something to say about uh, about the varieties of uh, Arabica coffee. Over to you, Kenneth. Yes, uh, thank you. Thank you, Kuchiliza. Uh, so the, the varieties that we we have, like uh, our colleagues from Seller said, uh, there are just a few of Arabica. We've done very good work in Uganda with the National Coffee Research Institute developing several varieties for Robusta. But Arabica, we've just been having a few of them. But I wanted to quickly provide it's sort of like a historical background to for for people to understand maybe in another for future spaces we can go deeper into the varieties so we have so many species we have almost over 300 species of coffee only that the two species that uh, are widely cultivated is the arabica which is uh, coffee arabica and then the one that we call Robusta, but the scientific name is uh, Coffee Canofera. Now, within the Arabica species, we also have very many varieties, or what we call cultivars, or different types. These are types that are able to sexually reproduce with one another. And the main types that we have, again, they are based on some history. We have what we call Babon, and then we have what we call Tipica. Um, these were named after specific places. So a small number of uh, coffee trees were taken out of Yemen way back in the 17th century. And then uh, that coffee that came from Yemen, seeds were taken to India, then from India to and called of Yava by the Dutch. Now this gave the name Tipica, which is the Tipica lineage. And we have different varieties of the Tipica lineage, um, including uh, the SLs, so SL14, SL28, SL34. Then we have um, uh, Tipica seeds coming from, uh, which were introduced from Yemen to the island of Bobon which gave rise to the Bourbon lineage. And the first uh, Bourbon plants were in Brazil in the 1850s. So both Tipica and Bourbon plants were then later introduced to Africa in the 19th century through various routes. So these are the, the main um, uh, varieties that we have that then give birth to different specific um, cultivars. Now, we also have what we call intergressed, introgressed varieties, which are those that possess some genetic traits from other species. So, for example, uh, the, these are mainly the robustas, but also sometimes um, bringing in Rebecca, the, the uh, another species, and that's so the word introgressed means brought over. Now, in, in just the, the few varieties that we have under Bobon, uh, they we have like K7, which is mainly in uh, in Kenya. We have Katulas found in uh, in Tanzania, and SL28 is a Bobon. Typical here we have Nyasaland that our colleague talked about. We have SL14. We have 34. Um, then we have uh, Bubon and Tipica, 
which are combined, an example of uh, Pakamara, then we have some specific varieties that were developed in Ethiopia and localized in Ethiopia. So you've heard of Geisha and Yava. Then for the uh, introgressed, the main ones that we know in the region, there is Batyan, which is uh, mainly from Kenya. There is Rab C15 from Rwanda. Rab is uh, Rwanda Agriculture Board. And then there are uh, several others. Then lastly, we have what we call the hybrids. And the hybrids are generally an offspring resulting from crossing of two genetically distinct um, uh, individual um, varieties. Many of these were created uh, combining the best characteristics of the two parents. So depending on what the, the scientists wanted to achieve, whether it was high quality, high yield, uh, disease resistance, to, um, drought tolerance, and that's how hybrids were, uh, were made. Some of the hybrids that we have, there is one which is popular in Kenya. It is called Ruiru um, uh, 11, but then we have others that are also around the place. Thank you. Wow. Uh, thank you so much, Kenneth Barijay. <coughs> um, uh, thank you. And and I really love the fact that uh, we have people who are really passionate, that even when he was not meant to be on the panel, but he realized that he had, uh, you know, a lot to give and uh, requested for the microphone. And indeed, he has uh, really given us uh, an, an insightful you know, engagement. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Um, uh, I, I have two speakers that I'll give the opportunity. Our time is uh, is uh, is nearing to zero, but uh, uh, Russell and Walker also goes on to say the varieties as per I think the varieties of Arabica coffee as per UCDA uh, booklet is uh, SL14, SL28, KP423. KP 162, uh, variety Riru 2, and variety Katimo 129. Yeah, uh, we could we could add that as well. <clears throat> now, um, I, I have uh, questions in the comment section, but I'll first give uh, the people with the microphone uh, questions uh, to ask either questions or submit. So I'll start with Ibram. Abram, you have two minutes uh, to either give your submission or ask a question. The microphone is yours, Abram. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Nova. I hope everyone can hear me very well. Sure, we can hear you. Carry on. All right. Most of the uh, highlights that I wanted to bring out, most of them have been said by Kenneth Parage. Thank you very much. But I think I will just have to answer two questions that you once asked. One was, uh, thank you directed it to James, one of our speakers, that what can farmers do to mitigate uh, climate change with coffee? And uh, Joseph T. Pendizi also asked uh, what could be the breeding efforts for robust Arabica hybrids. So I think I'll answer all these questions with reference to the variety that have been coming up and uh, the steps that farmers can take so that they can mitigate climate change. One, we have quite many varieties here in Uganda, though most of them are still under trials. So we've seen uh, Roy Levin, Batian, 
Hussein Katmo in uh, different parts of uh, Renzori. We have, we've seen Tipica, we've seen uh, Rub 15, which is actually a very best example for climate change mitigation. It's a back cross or it's a cross of uh, Robusta for its uh, drought resistance and will disease resistance, as well as with Arabica for productivity and quality. So um, we have red bubbles in the side of uh, Kisoro next to Randa border. We also have a few bubbles in uh, Elgon as well. We've seen a uh, yellow katura still in uh, Kisoro region. I saw one farmer when I went to our new station who had really very nice looking yellow katuras. We've seen RAW 15 still in uh, Renzori as well. We've seen the SL14, SL28 Nyasaland in both Western and Eastern. And the reason as to why all these varieties are coming up, one is some of them are self-mutating due to different climatic, sorry, due to different environmental conditions. Then we have those that are developed, like the RAW 15, the typicals and all that. So uh, answering, uh, Joseph, we have a, a National Coffee Research Institute and it's really doing a very good job to develop new varieties resistant to diseases and drought. And these are still under trials. Most of them have been implemented to the farmers to grow. Uh, we have uh, varieties in a robusta site, which are the KR, as James said. And the reason as to why all the steps that farmers could actually take to mitigate climate change, one, seek approved varieties from the National Coffee Research Institute so that at least you understand what you're going to deal with. Second, Kenneth said uh, we have our regenerative agricultural practices, shedding, intercropping, uh, so management and we have other modernized innovations like building a microclimate shedding um, irrigation so all those farmers can still implement them so that they can mitigate climate change otherwise thank you very much for this opportunity Thank you so much, Abram. Um, thank you for the uh, contribution and uh, the supplement and answering some questions. Um, before I welcome Aaron, I have Mr. Joseph T. Yeah, um, well, um, I think this was answered because he was saying a robust car is active and expressing genes, conditioning resistance to important adversaries. Uh, but does not possess quality attributes and also it has greater caffeine content i read this earlier and uh, the hybrid issue has really been talked about um i i have um i want to see i don't want to leave comments unattended to uh there has been a general question of why even with uh, uh, the higher altitude places coffee is not uh is not commonly grown in western uganda um i, I think um um i will have this uh collins do you think you have an answer to this <laughs> can you ask that question again please i think i lost a bit of it 
Yeah, there, there has been a running question in the comment section. Why, even with the higher altitudes in the in the western part of the country, why coffee is not uh, is not uh, grown there? Uh, I, I think this is, I think the best person to answer this question would have been Kenneth because I've been following Kenneth closely and I see that he's been growing coffee and I don't think that's the first plantation in the West. There has been, uh, let's maybe just say that it did not start uh, quite early in the days, but I see that it has picked up a lot. I've seen a couple of farmers, but there's also... It depends on what you're really calling the West, but there's a lot of Arabica coffee that has been grown around Kasese and closer to the borders of Congo for a very, very long time. Maybe it wasn't, even Bundibujo areas, maybe it wasn't just um, talked about more often or wasn't as loud as it's been compared to the Arabica in the in the Elgon, around, along the slopes of the foothills of Mountain Elgon. But it's been grown there, and I think it's picking up now pretty fast than it was before. So maybe it's a, a matter of how long ago it started, but it's there now, and it's picking pretty fast, and there's a lot of passionate farmers that have been following online and have seen in these spaces. Uh, thank you so much. Um, I, I think I've also seen uh, coffee around uh, areas of Bushenyi, Shaka, personally. Uh, but let me uh, also have Kenneth say a thing about this. Kenneth, over to you. Okay, uh, thank you. So I'm assuming that the West is referring to, or the person is referring to, it's the, re the West that is um, uh, right for Arabica, because there is also the West that is lowland. Uh, or lower altitude. So there are places I do agree, like the previous speaker, the coffee has been in the Renzoli region, the whole of Kasese, Bunyangabo, uh, Fort Porto, coffees in Nyachishenyi, in Kanungu, in some parts of Ibanda, Arabica is of course in um, Kisolo, yeah, it is in um, uh, uh, Bushenyi. Now, the comment I wanted to make, there are places that actually you cannot grow Arabica because it is too high. And I know specific places. Between Kabale and Kisolo, there is a place called, um, uh, it's near the forest, I've forgotten the name. It is about 2,400 meters above sea level and it is too cold. So I know a farmer who has grown coffee. Uh, the tree grew, but it could not put on uh, coffee berries because it is too high and, and too cold. Um, but for the growing, we have now, I think, the largest Arabica um, estates I now in Western Uganda. I think we have two farms in uh, Fort Porto and Bunyangabo um, between the 200, 300 acre farms. So we are growing a lot of um, uh, Arabica there. Then I also had uh, a comment. I know that we are focusing on Uganda and therefore when we talk about attitude, we are referring to Uganda, but just for uh, our general knowledge, in case tomorrow you speak to someone who is coming from, let's say, Brazil, and they're like, no, 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 you can grow um, Arabica to low altitude. I wanted to comment about that, the discussion about altitude. Uh, it, it is linked to, to the farm's latitude. So 
the optimal altitude depends on the farm's latitude. Now, latitude, it's where in reference to the equator. So farms located close to the equator where Uganda lies uh, will have higher optimal altitudes than those further north or south of the equator. So for example, we have um, areas that grow Arabic at 400 meters above sea level because they are maybe between 15, um, they, they are farther down or uh, farms that are at 700 uh, meters above, above uh, uh, sea level. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Kenneth. I think uh, the, the issue of altitude has been well answered. Um, I, I really see a lot of engagements here. I'm, 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 I'm actually, uh, 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 I think I'm overwhelmed. We cannot read all of them. Uh, but uh, uh, Kamali Alex says, uh, thank you, Gideon, for this incredible topic. I think we also need to uh, uh, devise mechanisms for which, uh, for which can be used to deliver this wonderful knowledge to our grassroots farmers because they are huge stake in the whole coffee value chain. Uh, Kamali, uh, this is just the start of the coffee roundtable. We have big dreams. Uh, we are thinking of uh, at a later stage uh, doing uh, country media tours and um, uh, you know visiting different uh, coffee growing districts and uh, visiting their media houses and having this conversation also uh, having these conversations on national televisions, having physical meetings. Uh, these are the dreams we have. Uh, we pray that all of you come together. We cannot do it alone. A uh, 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 few people, I cannot do it alone. We need to come as, 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 uh, as people who are interested in the coffee industry and see the coffee roundtable, you know, move and expand and grow and reach everyone who is in the coffee industry. Now, um, we are... Uh, I think we are out of time, but the conversation is interesting. Uh, but I still need to, you know, be um, uh, mindful of time. I will uh, give a chance to Owaja Aaron, and then after that, we shall, I think, give closing remarks and end the space. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to to mention earlier is that um, uh, is that my brother uh, um, Olupot Isaac as, as uh, I think is recording this space and uh, it will be put uh, to a podcast and uh, the web a link will be shared so that uh, whoever has not attended to this or whoever wants to get records from uh, uh, from whatever has been said on the coffee roundtable can go to the podcasts and generate that information uh, and, and actually we need this information documented because uh, we are losing on, on coffee. We do not have a lot of this information. So um, Aaron, uh, the microphone is yours. In one minute, uh, we are uh, really time But Aaron, over to you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Gideon and everyone uh, for being part of this space. Uh, I have two quick questions. Yeah, the first one, I have seen uh, coffee plantations in a park district uh, with, whereby I think Honorable Nakut, uh, has, has been part of that uh, with coffee and then banana plantation. Now, I don't know whether it is a part of uh, an initiative to really spread uh, coffee growing also in the Karamoja sub-region or it's simply maybe an initiative within the district itself. And then the other is uh, 
I'm seeing the threat of losing uh, some of the spe- of the species, coffee species that you are saying. Like for example, in, by 2050, uh, some varieties of Arabica coffee will will not be uh, present. So I'm also asking, what are the measures or maybe what are the plans to conserve some of the existing uh, varieties of coffee so that by that time we really still have some of these that are really resistant to some of these diseases. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, the conservation of some varieties of coffee. Uh, could you, do you mind repeating the first question? Uh, the first one, uh, uh, I've seen a couple of uh, some plantations in Napak district whereby the woman MP of Napak, Honorable Nakut, uh, really carrying out some plantation. I don't know whether it is a demonstration or maybe these are trials whereby they can see whether coffee can, can do well also in the Karamoja sub-region. But I've not had uh, anyone maybe say anything about that. Uh, oh, it's also an initiative maybe spreading uh, coffee growing in some of the other regions that could really maybe do well uh, for the different uh, varieties of coffee. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, Kenneth, do you have an idea of that uh, project? Oh, Kenneth is off the microphone. Okay. Uh, let me see, uh, Madam. Uh, James, I, uh, James has something to say. James, uh, kindly, you have the microphone. Yeah, basically, like what, with that first question, uh, at times this is an initiative because uh, coffee, people have not been growing coffee in most parts of Uganda. So, like, I think that one is an initiative because the Karamoja region, it, it, it has a lot of uh, high temperatures. Therefore, I think they are just making trials. So if the trials match out, then they'll go into an initiative of supplying the seedlings to the farmer, to the farmers. Yeah, that's what I can say. Okay, thank you so much. Um, we really have uh, uh, the people in the comment section, so many of them, and uh, we cannot have the space for the entire night. Uh, as much as it is interesting, uh, we shall have to end it. Um, I will have uh, I will have uh, Madame Nakayenze Cassandra to give your last remarks in two minutes. Uh, then I will have also uh, Collins to give his last. Uh, I will have uh, I will have James after after Cassandra. Then I will have uh, Colin, and then I will end the space. Uh, so over to you, Madam Cassandra. So, our dear listeners, the host and the sponsor, I want to thank you for this remarkable evening on the round table where we have learned so many things from each other. Yeah, I must say it's a wonderful one and uh, I look forward to sharing what I've learned with some of the uh, my colleagues and uh, special thanks also our host major like this is real good for us who are working also directly with the farmers to go back and share all this wonderful knowledge that we have put together and i would like to uh on the issue of um, the varieties yeah very 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 important a lot has been said 
and uh, I just want to to say life is short drink good coffee plant good variety of coffee I remain the I remain Nathan Sandra the CEO of Kamugos Women Empowerment that also brings you a wonderful coffee called the Swing Dream Coffee that is uh, named after one of the ridges of Mount Elgon, a place that is very hard, hard to reach, but it good for coffee. However, it's not safe for a girl child. The fact that uh, the schools are really distant from each other, girls walk miles to access school, so it also affects, or I don't know how I would say, it affects or it limits or it shortens their journey to uh, to success. So they will end up. The vision behind the Sweet Dream Coffee is that how best can we use coffee to empower the Lolo women and the girls, those that are coming from deeper, deeper and deeper area at the coffee growing communities. Thank you very much and thank you once again. I want to wish each and everyone that has spared time to listen to us, send in the comments. Guys, you are so wonderful. You make this event colorful. Thank you so much. I submit. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Madam Cassandra, for dedicating time uh, for this. Thank you for loving coffee, for being passionate. I hope we shall uh, be together on the journey of growing the coffee roundtable uh, towards, um, yeah, you know, adding value to uh, the coffee sector. Um, uh, next week, we shall uh, talk about the coffee establishment and field management practices, uh, like clearing land, raising shade trees, dig holes, mark out roads, select planting materials, training and bending coffee. Uh, we shall also talk about field practices like uh, wind control, mulching, soil and water conservation, uh, cover crops, uh, pruning, and desuckling. Uh, you know, and, and if there is time, we shall talk about rehabilitation and renovation of old coffee stamping and the purpose. So we are still on the farm. Uh, we shall have, I think we could have like our first five episodes on the farm because we really want to, ex uh, we want to exhaust every, you know, every topic around coffee. And I am very certain that there are so many people uh, who have learned one or two things from this space and they will keep learning. This is the Coffee Roundtable. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. I will be hosting it and we shall have it recorded and, uh, and put on a podcast. Uh, we shall share the, the web links so that uh, people can go and listen to them. Uh, James, your last remarks uh, before I welcome Collins and uh, so we can get the space. Yeah, first of all, I would like to thank our listeners of the Coffee Round Table. Uh, and I call upon all our listeners. You cannot basically engage in coffee growing because production of any agricultural product, it, we have what we call the production and value chain. 
where we are having the input dealers, we are having the farmers, we are having the the, the traders and middlemen, we are having the processors, you are having the exporters. So all those are business ideas. So I call upon all our listeners, at least if, if at all you cannot grow coffee, if at all you cannot, you don't have enough land to grow coffee or you don't have land, you can just engage in one of those because the cycle is a bit profitable. And also, of recent, I, I usually, I don't usually engage in politics, but at times you see uh, politicians when they are going for campaigns, the MK movements, the what and what, they cook for people food. That they cook for them food, they eat on that day, but the next day these people are hungry. At least instead of cooking for them food, you can supply them with uh, with coffee seedlings and they go and because these people, some of them have land, they have land, you can supply them with those coffee seedlings so that in food security, you call it food entitlement. They'll have a greater food entitlement than just me serving them with a lunch of one day. Of course, it is good, but this one, I think it is a bit better. So I submit, I remain James Evans Kasozi, uh, a student of Bachelor of Science in Agriculture, Uri University in my third year, and as well as the as, and as well the speaker of the Good University Coffee Club. In case of any question about Robusta Coffee, you can reach out to me on my WhatsApp number of 0752579167. 0752579167. May God bless you all and have a good night. Uh, thank you so much, uh, James Evans. Uh, that was a good take home for politicians. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't want to mention that also giving out your number here, you did not tell us the time we are supposed to stop calling. I see ladies on the platform, uh, you might get issues. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a joke anyway. Um, so uh, uh, I, I will request people to follow uh, my handle, uh, that is Quichiris and Robert Gideon, uh, to follow up these conversations every week. Um, uh, but also to let you, to invite you all. We have a WhatsApp group, the Coffee Roundtable, and it's really open to anyone. We can add you so you really know what's going on and what we are planning. But like I said before, we, we this is a start. We are starting with X spaces. But we are planning on on bigger things, you know. Uh, we 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 just want to make sure that we reach every every person in the country. We just want to. It's just like uh, 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 like preaching the word of God. You 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 are uh, the people, the missionaries uh, left uh, a strong strong strategy that uh, that led to 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 the escalation of the word of god uh, to reach everyone everyone at least uh, 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 someone knows something about so the choice is yours to accept it or not but at least you know something about it and this is what we are trying to do we are trying to make sure that everyone every ugandan at least knows about coffee we are trying to uplift the farmers the processors the exporters the people in the markets and and, and and the entire people 
in the coffee industry and and we shall see this come true so um our sponsors tonight uh sarah wild uh coffee uh, thank you so much uh, they sponsored uh, this space and also um uh, volcano coffee my brother gerard katabas was here i think he left and uh we call upon all the other people in the coffee industry if you really think this is it please come and, and sponsor it is uh I, I cannot say the figure here uh but uh we could talk and 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 maintain the coffee round table moving because we shall be doing this every week uh until we feel that uh, we've really done enough or until we have upgraded to better ways of uh, you know having the coffee round table so uh Collins I'll have you to say to have your last remarks before I end the space thanks Gideon uh, and everyone for still staying with us up to this long this far Gideon first I want to thank you because it's always difficult to move things from a casual conversation into a whatsapp group and out of the whatsapp group into these spaces where you meet real people discussing real issues and scenarios that are happening out there in the fields a lot of these conversations end up in whatsapp groups and the whatsapp groups as we all know end up just posting garbage content and things like that and goes on forever but you managed to pull it off the whatsapp group into these x spaces and eventually pulling people like Kenneth on this platform to share their rich experiences for me that's a plus and like and, and for me that's a sign that this is going to go beyond just the expenses i think we can clearly see where this is heading and my two piece for those that are basically farmers on this platform if you are doing organic coffee if if you're not doing organic please try out organic if you're doing organic kudos to you and please take care of the soil that's my word for you take care of the soil and the soil is going to reward you in return and those that are not doing the coffee farming at the moment i still want to encourage you that the value chain is long there's a lot of things i think more than 10 processes involved in the coffee production and if you cannot contribute to that at least you can talk about it and there is a space somewhere where you belong and this this space is a community of people that are ready to support you and walk along with you and guide you um show you exactly where you should be heading so i encourage you to join it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a golden coffee is black gold we all know that and you can there's no way you cannot be a part of this that's my advice for tonight a uh, thank you everyone thank you gideon and god bless you all thank you so much um thank you so much collins and i really appreciate you uh for you're one of the people i uh, the first people i shared this idea with and you picked up picked it up and sank in it and supported and you know um i, I appreciate your support um, uh, uh that you have for coffee thank you so much uh so i i appreciate you all th- those that have been uh, locked uh on this conversation thank you so much james evans uh for the insightful uh, uh conversation we had and uh, the the uh, the knowledge you passed on to people thank you kenneth i thank you so much uh thank you collins uh i think uh madam cassandra has left but i thank her so much 
Uh, thank you, Russ, Lone, uh, uh, Russ Alone Walker, for um, the, the, what you've been doing in the comment section. I, I was following, uh, you know, almost responding to everyone. The entire team at Sarah Wild Coffee, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Um, now, um, before I actually coffee round table, I was hosting spaces every Thursday at 8 p.m. I think I had even uh, uh, hosted Kenneth before. So these spaces still go on every Thursday. And uh, on the Thursday spaces, I host, I, I have random topics that affect um, and impact societies. And uh, tomorrow we shall be talking about um, the employment ethics, the do's and don'ts at, uh, at, at the employment where you're employed. We have so many young people are crying to get employed. And uh, when they finally get employment, they misbehave. They come early to work. They, 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 they don't behave. They don't respect their bosses. And, and when they are back on the streets, they are crying because of unemployment. So we really want to talk to, to speak to these young people. I'll be having uh, a panel of, uh, of people led by uh, the AIGP Asanta Sinjui and the other people who will be, um, you know, say, uh, giving, passing on a message to the young people tomorrow at 8 p.m. Otherwise, uh, for the coffee lovers, the coffee round, roundtable will be on again next week on Wednesday at 8 p.m.